All right, welcome to another Twins Insider podcast. I am Michael Rand, Lavelle E. Neal, the third with me today. A um, little bit before first pitch in this Wednesday afternoon game, uh, but we got lots to talk about from the first two games of the Twins White Sox series. Um, important goings on with pitching, hitting, defense, but Lavelle, most importantly, tell me about the squirrel, please, would you? <laughs> The squirrel has captured the hearts and minds of, of baseball fans in the Twin Cities area right now. Um, you know, the first appearance on Monday, you know, it was just okay. Just a little random animal on the field. It's kind of like the kestrel they used to perch right. on top of the foul pole sure. a few years ago, you know. Um, the funny part about Monday was how the Twins reacted because a couple of those guys really freaked out. So Miguel Snow actually left the dugout and right. walked in the foul territory in front of the dugout while the squirrel was running around. And then before yesterday's game, we were like, um, okay, where's the squirrel? Rocco Baldelli's like, well, we think it may still be behind the dugout. And there was like <laughs> no effort to remove it, you know? They were just like, or well. Just shoo it away. It was like, well, we solved, the, we solved the problem temporarily. All good. Yeah. So then <laughs> last night, uh, you know, I was busy writing something. I can't remember what I was writing at the time. And, all of a sudden, the crowd's roaring again, and I look up in time to see the squirrel cut through Cutler's, uh, Kepler's legs. That was the best. And make a beeline for the White Sox dugout. It he was went, unbelievable. He went five-hole on Kepler. That was that was something else. Uh, and Kepler said he didn't even know because, you know, he's... Sure. He was focusing on the... I, it sounded like Kepler was thinking about stealing because he was said, I, I was focusing on the pitcher's feet. Okay. And all of a sudden, the umpire uh, called timeout, and yeah. then... Right then, he saw the squirrel shoot through his legs. He said, "He jumped up." He said, "What the heck, you know?" And, and, and it was it was it was it was pretty funny. So now, um, I know for a fact that this morning there is uh, an effort to get squirrel T-shirts in the Twins clubhouse. I love and, it because the manager is an animal lover, and he oh, was yeah. fascinated apparently by uh the the appearance of the squirrel and now it's going to be a thing are we sure it was and the it same? doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like the twins are making any efforts to remove the squirrel for the premises because okay. you know you can't you would think that eventually people would get tired of it uh, interrupting games sure but uh I, we're they're embracing the moment I mean, this is baseball at its finest because it doesn't take much for a gimmick or a slogan to sure. start just little moments like this i remember when hmm. um you know, Ozzie Guillen was complaining about the Twins being so scrappy and, yeah. and beating up on the White Sox, and he called them a the little piranha. Yeah, and that took within off. Within two weeks, the Twins had little piranha T-shirts and hats distributed, and it became like the rallying cry for the rest of the season. I well, have a feeling the squirrel may be uh, uh, may be uh, a part of this drive drive to the division championship. Well, what about the, I mean, we we witnessed in 2002 the uh, the devastation of the rally monkey. Uh, against the Twins, the, the deployment of the rally monkey by the Angels against the Twins. Exactly. And then uh, the year that the Royals went to the World Series, a fan showed up at the game with a stuffed owl and was waving it in the stands. And the next thing you know, it became rally owl. Okay. So that became a thing sure. there. So it, it doesn't take much for people to grab on to any, unifying any good thing. luck charm or right. any mascot they can use to, uh, you know, just... Uh, help the movement, I guess. Any? Are we, are we sure it was the same squirrel both nights? It would seem unlikely that it was a different squirrel. But have we have? Do we have confirmation that it was this indeed the same squirrel? 
No confirmation. Mm. I, I tried to kind of controversial. Uh, work around that in my game story. Mm-hmm. I just said for a second day in a row, a squirrel uh-huh. sold up. Yeah, not the squirrel. On the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't say the squirrel, but no. a squirrel. Okay. So uh, it would be it would be cool if it was one squirrel. It would be concerning if it's more than one. W- <laughs> <laughs> now remind me, what was the score yesterday when the squirrel showed up again? Because obviously night one that it showed up, it wasn't exactly good luck. They lost that game. Well, I pointed it out to the twins about uh, that's why I think the squirrel have may be carrying bad juju if it's going into the dugout that the team that loses uh, <laughs> uh, sure. every night. But uh, the game was tied at three three. Okay. This was the crazy fifth inning, right. in which the inning should have been over, but Eloy Jimenez lost the ball in the lights when they fell in for a hit, and okay. then Kepler had to check swing uh, in front of home plate that Jose Abreu just blatantly mishandled the sure. throw at first base. And uh, Polanco was batting at the okay, time right. when uh, when all the, all the shenanigans started. So, um, And then on Monday, Cruz right. was batting when the squirrel showed up, and Cruz did the next pitch um, for an RBI single. That okay. was in the first inning, I yeah, believe, that's right. Monday. Right. And yesterday, Polanco ended up getting hit by a pitch. Yep. Uh, <laughs> a couple of pitches after the squirrel. And then Cruz uh, again, it, right? Uh, and then Cruz hit the the double off the wall, right? Exactly. That was also that was also part of the inning. So. This this is a, a tremendous segue into my next uh thing I want to talk about. If we're done are we done with the squirrel or uh, there's more squirrel antics I'm sure to come this season. No, uh, I think I think it's an open in the chapter right now that uh, <laughs> it's still writing itself. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about Nelson Cruz though. A, a guy that was Hotter than the sun uh, when when he you know he he hurts his his wrist he's got the tendon problem again the worry to you know the initial worry was man this could be you know long term then it's like well no it's actually not that bad you know it, the pain is gone he can play without it and he comes back in in two games since he's been back he's you know smoking the ball again he had home run the, the double off the wall uh, yesterday in that big inning that kind of that kind of turned that game around I'm just kind of standing in awe of this guy at this point um you know he's been everything advertised and more you're you're closer to him on a daily basis what what is his impact how how can you state that impact well i've always thought that for the beginning of the season he was kind of like the the yoda in the clubhouse like the veteran guy who's not really a uh emotional leader sure. but he, he he may lead just in term more in a more cerebral way um they put made, made sure miguel sano uh, dresses next to Cruz this year, and I think they spent a lot of time talking about hitting and just approaches the baseball. And I think he's always been a guy who, you know, you always go, the Twins always go to and talk to for advice or or wisdom. You know, he's just a wise old man in the clubhouse, and I, I think it's worked well for this team. I think uh, a lot of people have benefited from watching how Cruz prepares and goes about his business. This. Wrist thing is just guy has me mesmerized because I've never heard of someone having something rupture and it actually being a good thing. Um, yeah. Just a little inside deal. I you know I wrote a lead note for a notebook into in uh, Wednesday's paper about Cruz and how you know the first game went and what his plans is for are for uh, maintenance, maintenance on that yeah. wrist. Yeah, and moving forward, you know, I had no idea he was about to go, you know, four for five with three doubles and a home <laughs> run, you know. So, uh, you know, on deadline that that uh, that notebook item had to be repurposed right. a little bit to right. include what he was going on. So it, it makes it even more remarkable that um, the damage he's doing yeah. uh, 
uh, after sustaining that type of injury. And to be honest with you, Mike, I think that uh, if the Twins and Cruz knew that uh, the rupture was going to lead to this, he may have been able to avoid the DL, right. or I'm sorry, the IL, right. and been in the lineup you know, during that road trip. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially because Cruz said he really didn't know which way, how this was going to go. Sure. Uh, but talking to Justin Morneau, who had the same thing happen in his career, right. and then going to New York and speaking to the doctor really eased his mind about how he could proceed with this. Sure. And now... We're seeing. He says there's no pain. You know, yeah. he said I keep. He said that, you know for a first few days I was waiting for the pain to come, but it never did. Huh. So this is uh, this is pretty remarkable. It is. I mean, and they they wouldn't have been able to use him really against Milwaukee, so there wasn't much loss there, and they still swept the Rangers without him. So it wasn't a huge blow as it turned out to to not have him on that trip. But yeah, I mean, that's and, true. And and you know, it gets him a little. You know, make sure the wrist is okay, and you know it's probably not the worst thing in the world to have a guy take a little break at this time of the year. Although, as a DH, I'm sure he doesn't quite wear down like uh, like the rest of these guys might. Uh, but this is age 39 season. I mean, I think that aside from you, know, you said he was he keeps waiting for the wrist to hurt. I think everybody keeps waiting for you know Nelson Cruz. Like when 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 is there ever going to be a decline and there just hasn't been he's he's even better this year than than in other years it's it's amazing it's like you know i i didn't uh cover Molitor, paul Molitor on a daily right. basis but um i was covering Kansas City Royals at the time but watching Molitor, uh those last couple of years of his you know it, it was a moment where if he got the pitch he wanted, he was going to hit it, and he wasn't going to miss it. Right. And to me, that's where Cruz is at right now in his career. He is still he's seeing the ball really well, yep. and he's getting that bat through the zone, and he's doing damage. Yep. And, um, it, you know, it, it, it may be one of the best free agent signings of the offseason, to be honest yeah. with you. Now, $14 million to get this type of production. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year Cruz gets a few MVP votes. Yeah, well, they've got a they've got a team option on him too, right? I mean, you would you would imagine at this point that that's that he's factors into their plans next year too. Uh, for twelve million dollars, too, it's for yeah. a little bit less right. than the fourteen he's making this year. I think it's a lock he comes it's back right be, now. Right? Yeah, uh, you know, it, it's weird because the, the Twins always been worried about like clubhouse chemistry and having the right people in the clubhouse and. Yeah. When Torrey Hunter retired after that uh, couple yeah. of years with the Twins, uh, they were like, how are you going to replace that in the clubhouse? And Molitor was worried about that. And Molitor's a Hall of Fame player, so he understood the importance of having that type of influence in the clubhouse. And yeah. I, there may have been a void for a couple of years that I think Cruz is filled in a different way. Sure. Because you know, Torrey's a little more gregarious, right. a little more outgoing yeah, the about dance it. parties, yeah. Exactly, which they still do, by the way. Right, and uh, and uh, but I think Cruz has uh, filled in that void just from a leadership, mentorship uh, aspect. Yeah, having a veteran that can still play like Tory did in 2015, and Cruz is doing this year is is huge. I mean, because it's one thing to say it; it's another thing to go out there and still be able to do it. That that lead by example is a is a huge factor. Um, so here, here's the thing: I, we, we I've been kind of harping on this. Um, End of the schedule stretch. The Twins are now in with 26 out of the last 38 um, against the White Sox, Royals, and Tigers. My question to you is: Are we are we unfairly maligning the White Sox a little bit to to lump them in to that kind of grouping because they're not as bad as those other two? They, they've 
they're a team that can that can do damage to you like like they showed in you know the first game and then the you know the first half of the second game. Well, I I still think I, I still think they're down in that area. They may be the best of those three. Bad the best teams. of the worst, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, it, they have their flaws. Now, what has right. happened with the White Sox this second half is that Ivanova yep. and Reynaldo Lopez, who ended up giving up a lot of runs yesterday, they both have pitched very well sure. uh, since the All-Star break. And I think Nova actually was on a run where he had a 2-9 ERA over his last 11 outings, and, and Reynaldo Lopez had an ERA under 3 yep. over since the All-Star break. So they have been pitching well. Um, and so I think that that has been a factor, and good pitching kind of cover up, covers up sure. weaknesses. Gotta, I think their defense, their yeah. defense is still not good. No, Aloy Jimenez is a fabulous power hitting guy. He's built like Jermaine Die. He's got <laughs> a beautiful swing. He's going to do damage, but he's not the greatest left fielder in the world. No. Uh, Yomer Sanchez is in center. He's misplaced. You saw that when he broke in on the rocket that Sano hit in the game on yep. Tuesday night. Um, so defensively, I don't think they're all there, but they've got they've got these young hitters um, who are who have come up, who are, are coming up, and they're going to be they're going to be held to deal with in the next two to three years. Yeah. But right now, they're still taking their lumps and learning. Yep. So it's still it's still and the bullpen is a playpen, and once you get in the White Sox bullpen. Um, their back end is on. their back end isn't too bad though. I mean, they're well, close. is good. good, and uh, Bummer's pretty Twins good. Hit but every yeah. other reliever yeah. in that bullpen, sure. And Kelvin Herrera, Herrera is a shell of his former self. Yeah, uh, they've hit Aaron Bummer. Right? They've hit, they've hit all those guys in there except Colome can be a little a little bit of a test. Sure. But, um, um, no, there's a reason why they're at. They're going to be good though, and they could get go. They could get good quick. And Yon Moncada, who was the right. key player they got in the Cristel trade, is on a DL. He was. He's not been in the lineup this yep. week. He's batting three hundred one. Yeah. So you know they 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 could be a spoiler down the stretch, sure. and Moncada could be in the in the in the lineup when the Twins go to Chicago in a right. week and a half. Right. So that could be interesting. So, but the Twins have pretty much pummeled the White Sox this year. Yeah, they have. And um, you know, September baseball can be weird, man. Yeah, it can. Because you've, you've, you've got contenders who, you know, are trying to push for the playoffs, and then you have the teams that are not in contention who are all of a sudden thumbing through the hunting and fishing magazines, thinking about <laughs> off-season trips. Uh, well, <laughs> and, and honestly, and, yeah. Uh, and, and trying to hope that they could be a spoiler. Well, honestly, we saw that a lot with those bad Twins teams in, you know, 2011 through, really 2011 through 2014, where they got off to okay starts a lot of times or through 100 games their record wasn't necessarily good but it wasn't terrible and then you you kind of hit that august september stretch where you know whether it was call-ups or whether it was you know guys realizing that the season was lost that 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 things really took a turn around that time and they played even worse yeah yeah absolutely absolutely sometimes you know the 2000 twins. I think uh, before 2001 came, yep. you could tell that they were getting better, and 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 they were starting to play cleaner games and make the right decisions on the field. You know, yep. even Tom Kelly admitted to that. And then 2001 came, and they were 50 and 31 at the break yep. before that great collapse. But right. You knew they were headed in the right direction. Yep. And then uh, and then other instances, um, the young kids come up. And it's just one teacher moment after another yep. <laughs> it, it, yep. it, it, for the rest of the month. And 
people just can't wait for the season to end. Right. So, I mean, it can go both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Here's a question for you, and I'm, I've been kind of like rearranging these names in my mind with the playoffs, you know, uh, not a certainty for sure, but, you know, things trending the right way for you know the Twins to, you know, they're, they're back in the division lead by three games going into this Wednesday game. Um, they're, you know, they're putting some distance between themselves and any, any other wild card teams should that become the thing. If they get into the division series, let's say they win the division or they, they get in as a wild card and win that first game, What's your kind of if, if you're kind of like writing down on a on a napkin right now, or kind of thinking in the back of your head, what's what's your pitching rotation? What, what's your trust level with with their guys right now? How would you how would you set that up if they're able to set that up? Well, uh, it's an interesting question, uh, Mike. And uh, right now, in terms of lack of trust, I would put Gibson and Perez at on the back of that five man list. Right. I would probably trust. Barrios, even though he's scuffling right now, right. Odorizzi and Michael Pineda. Pineda's yeah. really been a uh, calm, cool, collected operator here over the sure. last handful of starts. Uh, yesterday, was, I mean, I'm sorry, Tuesday night was just a major strike-throwing ex- exhibition. Yep. 79.5% of his pitches were strikes, sure. which is the highest percentage of any twin starter this year. Yeah. And uh, it was impressive. And it wasn't just like just throwing the ball in the middle of the plate. Right. It, there were quality strikes. They were sure. on the edges of the strike zone. Uh, you know, that included uh, top of the zone, bottom of the zone, left, uh, mm-hmm. outside, inside. You know, his, his, his pitches were there. He he came at the White Sox. Yep. I, I, except for the one pitch to, to no, Abreu that became yep. a home run. You know, he was really effective. So... Um, Barrios is an interesting uh, case right now. I I had a hypothesis about Jose because uh, his last two outings have been really shaky, and he would come out there on 92, maybe touch 93, and then all yeah. of a sudden in his last inning, he'd jump up and throw 95 miles an hour. And I'm like, yeah. where is this in the first inning? You yeah. know? So I asked Wes Johnson about it before Tuesday's game. Yeah. He said, he said, I said, is he sacrificing velocity for command, maybe? Yeah. And Wes Johnson said, no. He says he's been, they've been working with him on getting more movement on his fastball. Okay. And if you look up his spin rate, he has a below average spin rate for okay. his fastball. Okay. So they're trying, they're trying to come up with things to help him get more movement. And at the, at the moment, it's costing him some velocity. Huh. It's- so I'm like, that's cool. You know, I, I'm fine with that. My only concerned because I walked away from Wes. I should have asked him when I was talking to him. But it, as I walked away, I was like, why are we tinkering in August? Exactly. In the that's, that's my question because <laughs> his his last start before this kind of three-start stretch of, of roughness was he was dominant against, I think it was the Marlins, what, seven innings, two hits, no runs. I think that was the game that uh, Dyson coughed it up in the ninth. But Well, that was the game I was fierce. I was, I was, no, that was the game before Dyson. Oh, I was okay, my bad. I was furious in the press box that day. Okay. Uh, if you would have been in Miami that day, when he came out after seven innings, and 81 <laughs> pitches, I was I was just having a fit. I was like, are we just against pitchers going if, throwing complete games now? If not a shot you know, out because, now, then when? Yeah. It, because here's the thing. It started a bad sequence because right. Sean Poppin came That's in right. for the eighth and ninth. He got through the eighth, and the ninth he gives him a grand slam. That's right, and they have to bring Rodgers in. Now the Twins have to bring Taylor Rodgers yep. in. Okay? So now the next game comes. Yep. And now the Twins are leading like 3-1, to one, I believe. 4-1. to one. Well, they don't want to use Taylor Rogers for a third straight game. Right. So then they go, hey, Sam, we know you just flew in from Pittsburgh today. <laughs> <laughs> Would you mind throwing an inning here? Would you mind throwing well, the ninth? Well, comes yeah. in. Yeah. And then he's a wreck, and they had to bring in Rogers anyway. Yeah, well, you're right. So That's good. Yeah. The, 
the Burritos move forced Rodgers to pitch in three consecutive games. Yep. And as we all know now, his ERA when he's pitching back to back is horrible. Right. So I, I, I was just, I came out of Miami just incensed about how that went down. And Rocco would just say, well, we had our reasons and blah, blah, right. blah. And yeah. I mean, I mean sure. come on. And, you know, and, and we need to trust Trevor May or Duffy yeah, in one of these situations true. now that the, in these games when um, instead of pitching Rodgers in consecutive days, I I just thought there was a little mismanagement going on there. Yeah. Um, but And Brios was in total command. He yep. was, it was a master class in pitching uh, that he was performing there. And ever since then, his last two outings have been – Rather shaky, right. and yeah, um, I, I don't know. They may want to scrap this experiment with so. movement right now and get him back to throwing hard. Yeah, but, the, but I will say this though: the one thing I think that's helped him this year, I believe he's throwing a career high percentage of changeups right yeah. now. No, the changeups are great. Cha- that's a great addition. His yeah. changeups come in at about nine or ten miles an hour slower than yep. his fastball. Even when it's ninety-two, he throws an eighty-two mile an hour changeup. Sure, and I, I think that's been effective. And I would I would mix in that pitch more because when well, when Brios has gotten hit, his balls have been centered. They've not yeah. been like on the edge. He centers too many pitches now, and I, I, I'm wondering if that is a residue of trying to get more movement or, or tweaking something with his delivery or how he's holding the ball. Yeah, and maybe so, it's, maybe if he's tweaking his delivery too, it could be tipping his pitch a little bit. Maybe maybe if he's altered his delivery in some way to, to try to get more spin, these guys are saying, "Okay, now I know the fastball's coming." Who knows? But it's it's interesting. You know, if if the ball's coming in slower, if yeah, I don't like the idea of tinkering midseason. I mean, I I, lo- I by and large I like what what they're doing with these pitchers, kind of you know building these custom pitches, getting them right. to you know to be more effective. I think you know they they've gotten a lot out of guys this year. I mean, Jake Odorizzi has been really good, you know, better than his career marks. You know, Gibson, despite you know the the trust issues, has you know has he's a, he's a, he's a fine fourth starter. I think he's probably your fourth starter in the postseason if if you go that route i just don't i mean unless you feel like perez for four or five innings is a better idea because boy he's he really gets hit second and third time through he's a lot better the first time through so maybe you could figure something out there but but yeah by and large what they're doing is right i just the idea of tinkering if that's what they're doing right now is is a little unsettling to me especially with someone especially with someone who's going well yeah to me cal gibson's the most troubling pitcher in that rotation because he has too good of stuff to have the results he's having right now. Yeah. His arm is live. Yeah. His ball moves all over the place. And I, 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 I don't know why it's not equating, equating to deeper outings. Although he, sure. I think he went six innings in his last outing and gave like four runs. Right. He, had, he had the one bad pitch right. to Abreu that he wanted back. That right. would be a three-run homer. But uh, it looks to me like he nibbles at the plate. Yep. And he's the last person that should be nibbling. It's right. just because his sinker moves, his fastball moves. Yeah. And, and just... Nothing is straight out of his arm, right. and that's that. That's stuff that pitchers, you know, a lot of pitchers wish they had. Yeah, and I just think if he threw strikes with conviction a little more, it would help his overall game. Because once hitters have to worry about you being in the strike zone yeah. with all your pitches, and then now that's when they they start chasing the things off the plate. But right now they're taking because yeah. you know they see that Gibson's walking people and not and falling behind in the count. Last thing, quick, and then we'll uh, we'll cut this off. Uh, Bullpen, a lot of people have been talking about it. It was good in the Texas uh, series. It kind of got them through those, those those last three games, especially as we look towards October and and potential postseason baseball with the off days that come with it. Do they have enough bullpen now? I don't 
think so, but I could also say that for multiple teams okay. that are in contention right now. I yep. think bullpen construction has been an issue in Major League Baseball this year. Yeah. Even the Yankees bullpen has been vulnerable. Yeah. Uh the twins, you know, were not dotted by facing Aravis Chapman. Right. In, uh earlier this year at Target Field. Um I think the Astros uh We'll have a solid bullpen now. They can move Brad Peacock into uh, the bullpen since they have Zach Greeky. Yeah. Um, but every team, I think, can be a little bit worried about uh, how they're going to finish off games here. So um, maybe the Rays could be a little bit of a threat because they've got some power arms in the back end there yep. um, that they could throw at people. But uh, in the Twins' case, uh, first of all, Rocco's going to have to do a great job of juggling the last couple of innings because he's yep. got – Three, he's got two veteran guys now in Sergio Romo and Sam Dyson who are probably going to pitch the 7th and the 8th yep. and Rodgers in the ninth. But I think because of Rodgers' uh, inability to go back-to-back, he's going to have to make that a three-man weave yep. over the last two innings of, the, of, of games. Yeah. So that's going to put the onus on Duffy and Ryan Harper and Trevor May to – pitch the seventh effectively. It also puts the onus on the rotation to at least pitch six innings. I know baseball has changed. The yep. average start is five and a third inning. Yep. And all of a sudden we're patting starters on the back for getting through five innings, which I detest. I right. just think that's <laughs> an abomination when right. we're doing things like that. But at least get through six innings. Yep. Having a Twins bullpen get 12 outs a game, I just think it's playing with fire. Yeah. But in those situations, May and Duffy, to me, are going to be the keys to helping this bridge be stable because yeah. I, I rather see Dyson and Romo split the eighth inning and then also be available to close out games yeah. when when uh, when Rogers can't go back to back. Now it's going to be interesting here down the stretch, Mike, because uh, there are two pitchers at Rochester that yeah. was just promoted. Just going to say, get on that Gratterall hype train, baby. Let's get on all well, aboard. Here's the here, the one that no one is really paying yeah. attention to is that they also promoted Jorge Alcala. Right. Okay, Alcala came over in the Ryan Presley trade from Houston. Yep. He throws in the upper 90s. He has a good breaking ball. And he pitched yesterday. He made his debut at Rochester, pitched an inning, struck out two. Okay. I texted my source in Rochester. I said, how did Alcala look? And the reply was, awesome. Okay. So, um... The other thing about going to the AAA too is that they can get used to the major league right. baseball, yep. which is being used in AAA for the first time this year. Yep. So now these two guys are going to get a few outings, I would imagine, down there, and then the Twins are going to make a decision here as far as September call-ups with these two guys. Well, you got to add them before and August, right? You got to add them by the end of August. You could. You well, absolutely you, could. If you want to have them for the but postseason, if, you got to put them on the forty men. If, if they sizzle down the stretch. Right. They could they could elbow their way into the bullpen mix hmm. here. Interesting. Um, and and provide the Twins a little bit of flame throwing there yeah. uh, in the in the back innings. And to be honest with you, the way everybody gets hyped up with the for the ninth inning and getting in and yeah. facing the last man standing, if you have Gratterall and or Alcala to appear in the sixth or seventh, seventh inning yep. and put their foot down on the game, that's not a bad thing. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. We'll chat. Uh, we'll chat again soon. Take care. Anytime.